Welcome back, y'all, to episode 91 of the Zachary Wingate Podcast, where we go 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. We cover all topics here with the intention to master the short form podcast, putting all information in a podcast that lasts no more than 15 minutes. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Topics, topics, topics. So many things going on currently right now. But what I want to cover today is remember, remember the 8th of November. We are talking about the elections coming up for the Satan Senate on November 8th, primary elections. And it's really at an interesting point. Um, and I thought I would cover it. So the best of my ability to cover my information, thoughts, um, maybe some context within history, as well as potential predictions. So let's go. Okay, so obviously... We're kind of at a different point now politically, I think, than we've been in a really long time. Um, You know, if we can compare this time to transition points, I think one of them that is kind of most relevant, hard to compare, is potentially um, where the United States States was in 1928. Now, if you look at the context of 1928, it was pretty interesting because we were a few years after World War I. Okay, we were transitioning into the Great Depression and the economy was facing many, many issues. And, you know, there was a lot of points of conflict during this time. And the reason why I bring it up is this is the last time besides 2014 where the Republican Party took the majority of the House. And um, it's looking to me that this could potentially happen. And the reason why I say it is whenever there is more conflict in office from an opposing party, we generally get swift changes taking place. Um, And I really want to preface that on where the economy is right now, how we're facing inflation, coming off a pandemic, impact of jobs, conflict overseas, ending a war in Afghanistan. Um... A lot, a lot of moving parts here, and then we put on, we sprinkle the other topics of, um, you know, rights like, you know, trans rights, which are important, and you sprinkle Roe v. Wade on top of there within the parties, and it kind of gets to a point where it's like, you know, what is the common person really concerned with? Are they concerned with these issues? Are they concerned more? with being able to provide a living for their family. The average household in the United States makes 52 grand a year, okay? Think about that. That's such a that, that is that is that is the baseline. And whenever we get into those types of thoughts, it's like what is somebody at this stature really worried about and what are they going to be voting on? Um and I think that with those kind of criterias of what we're facing, there could be a lot of movement for shifts. A lot of different types of things happen politically. I know Joe Biden was actually campaigning in Miami a few days ago. And after the campaign, 
a lot of things came out that potentially, you know, people are going to vote more for Republicans, which if if Republican Party, the GOP wins Miami, you know, we are really not necessarily Miami, but I'm saying in Florida and we see the votes, we can really see the impact of potentially what's going to happen within the red wave. All right. So then we look at the switch of parties within um, actually November 15, 2014, and that's when the House flipped again. Um, a lot of Republicans in party. So in doing some research to kind of I- identify the concept or why, you know, the Democratic Party lost so bad in 2014, one consistent thing that I'm really finding is the price of gas. Like, if you look at gas prices in 2014, it was $3.30 a gallon. If you look at the price of gas now, it's very similar, okay? We're getting, and it seems like that is a big driver for people to vote, is really low gas prices. And I think sometimes something that simple really gets overlooked. And it's like, you know, the GOP party has a reputation of bringing down gas prices, if we look at gas prices during 2020, 2.6, you know, $2.60. We're talking about a dollar here. So I really think there's things like that. Like these everyday issues are really is what going to determine this election. You know, not these huge um, racial, general, gender issues. It's going to be how much do I got to pay at the pump? How much does bread cost? That's at the end of the day what people really are focused on whenever your general income is 52000 If you're making more than 52000 a year, if you're making 150, obviously your concerns politically are going to be a little bit different. But that's not the majority. And as we kind of get into November 8th, that's really going to be apparent because after dealing with kind of the issues of, of the pandemic, you know, how people bounce back and what they do is really going to be obvious. And one thing that's really interesting, too, is how much each person is spending per state. You know, this is something I found and I found it to be really, really interesting because it's like you really don't know. You know, if you look at kind of the spending, too, it shows the initial push. I don't know if it's showing like less or more. But if we take example, a state that voted conservative, mostly like um, Arizona. So Arizona is going to be a really interesting one because we genuinely think of Arizona as a conservative state. But Mike Mark Kelly is the incumbent there and Blake Masters is running against him as a Republican. This is what's really interesting. And I don't know necessarily how to interpret the spending. But if you look at the total amount of spending for Mark Kelly's party, it's $52 million, okay? That's how much it is for the Democratic Party. And if we look at the Republican who's running against him, he only spent $5 million. So either Mr. Masters doesn't have the money or he's that confident. But if Mr. Masters wins Arizona, and we're talking about a 45 different transition point in spending then we really can say okay we can take a good barometer test of where both parties are i mean that is to me that is a really good indicator if arizona is one 
Now let's look again at Nevada. So Nevada is almost similar. You have Kath, Kathleen Cortez Masato and um, going against Adam Laxter. So Karina or Ka Catherine, I'm sorry, is the Democratic incumbent and she spent $29 million. You have Adam, who is the Republican running against her, who spent $7.2 million. Once again, these large amounts of spending, okay? If you look at state like um, North Carolina, and you have Ted, Bu Ted Budd, who is the Republican, spending $6.3 million. Then you have Chelsea Bistili, I wish I could read, spending 50, $15 million. So it's like I'm looking at these like different indicators. The only place I really saw a large amount of spending out of the Republican Party is from Ron John, who's the incumbent for Wisconsin, running against. Yeah, then you have Mandela Barnes, who's only spent six point nine million. He's the Democrat. So it's almost like the incumbents spend more. Um, what's really crazy is Ohio. So I actually have. Um, an Ohio phone number on another line of mine and I was getting constant emails calls and texts from Joe Biden Kamala Harris everybody telling me to get out and vote Democrat okay I'm about to give you the pricing right here Tim Ryan spent 21.5 million on Ohio JD Vance who's running against him only spent 3.6 million. All right, I'll do one more just to prove my point. Okay. And the next one, this is New Hampshire. Like this, this one's a really insane because you have the incumbent Maggie Hassan spending $30.9 million. Okay. They're saying that, you know, 17 of it came from large contributions. 9 million of it came from small contributions. Um, the spin was 26 million and then you have Don Blodick who I don't know if he's going to win more than like not he only spent 700,000 so it's like you know it's it's insane and then another interesting race will be Mark Rubin versus Val Denning uh, Mark Rubin obviously is a Republican incumbent for Florida Val Denning is the Democratic and with this you look at kind of her contributions and that's probably the highest spend, pound per pound, I found. You have Mark Rubio spending $36 million. You have Van Dilling spending $47 million, okay? So it's just really interesting where the spending goes, but it's consistently like looking through the data and information. We have the Democrats spending more money than the Republicans, and I really am shocked by that because I always you know to see that it really puts things in the context number one either the um in a lot of a lot of the incumbents for Democrats are spending more so either one the the Republican parties aren't as worried or two the Democrats are spending more because they're afraid of losing and I think um you know they're really in another interesting one too just to top that up is what's going to happen in Georgia with Ralph Warlock and uh, Herschel Walker. You know, you have Democratic and you have him spending $60 million, okay, for Georgia. You have Herschel Walker spending $20 million. I mean, that's not even comparable. But then obviously you go to Pennsylvania for the last one and you have John Fetter spending $25 million, which I don't know who would ever vote for him. 
You know, they're trying to say that small contributions came into 15 million. Come on now. I mean, and then you have uh, Dr. Oz spending 19 million. So that's another close one for PA. But at the end of the day, it's like if you look at, in my ultimate opinion, why I think the house flipped so hard in 2014 was the rising gas prices. And I honestly think that is the biggest issue, you know. I mean, people obviously care about topics like Roe v. Wade, um, you know, within Arizona. You know, obviously the abortion issues are a really big div dividing factor for how people are going to vote. But people got to get to the polls or people got to get to the clinics before they can worry about it. And if they can't afford gas, how are they going to get there? And I think really when we look at the state of the country with all all the spins happening, you know, even if you look at CNN poll, it's like, you know, which which offices are more likely to flip? They have Pennsylvania, okay. They have Nevada. They have Georgia. They have Wisconsin. So they think those are the ones that spent the most. They have Arizona. They think Mark's gonna flip. They think got North Carolina. They got New Hampshire, and they got Ohio, Florida, and Colorado. So these are the states that I think flipping. And these are the states, obviously, that I just read off that have the most spending. So the way that a lot of the Democratic Party is doing is they're spending a lot of money to kind of coincide this. But, you know, they've been flying out Obama. They've been flying out Biden. But it's not there hasn't been really any consistent bumps within the polls indicating that this is going to sway voters. So I think this election in itself is going to come down to the working man and woman. I think they're going to come out strong. I do think, I don't know if we're going to see this crazy red wave that people are talking about, but we're going to see a transition point within the voting. And we're going to see people really voting for day-to-day -day life, like not these overarching really big issues for these cross-cutting cleavages of information, divisive at times. I really think it's going to come down to, you know, how much is my bread, how much is my milk, and how much is my gas. And I think that will really decide the day and we'll kind of see if it is that flip that is consistent with 2014 and 1928 you know and that's kind of where we are as a nation and if that's the flip it's really going to add a lot of emphasis on what is the outcome for 2014 because what we've learned is once the senate flips more than likely the the um the white house will flip as well so those are my two cents on it take it with a grain of salt Obviously, you know, I'm just here to kind of give you feedback, food for thought, and make you think. So thank you all, and we'll talk with you tomorrow.